0: Um, thank you for joining jacob thanks mike it's uh it's a pleasure to be here for sure so you've been doing such a great job with all these uh mystery school teachings on, on essential works and um, and if you've got to post it on your YouTube and rumble channel, and we did that intentionally, like we try to get the word out about Jacob's teaching as much as possible. And it's, I, I really appreciate, um, how much life experience you have. It's, it seems like you, your life is the story that has taught you maybe more than anything else. It seems like you're a really great teacher about your, your own life experiences. I'm not sure though, if we've actually gone through much of your, your life in, in one video, one explanation of what, what has led you to this point, what has led you to become uh, more confident in your in your spiritual wisdom that yeah. seems, seems to be guiding you. So I, I'd like to go back maybe more to your childhood and, and ask you know did you feel like you were a spiritual person in childhood or how did it how did spirituality develop in your life?
1: Oh man, great question. So it was the I guess the big sledgehammer blow from the universe. Um, no, I feel like regular kid up until I definitely was more quiet, introverted. My you know my parents would say. Um, but I was in a, I was in a pretty bad car accident when I was a little kid. And I think that changed everything for me. I was six and a half years old down in Miami with my family. And the day after Christmas or so, we're going to drive back to Athens, Georgia. And, um, I think my dad may have fell asleep or we got into an accident and basically this Jeep Cherokee that we're all in. Um, and everybody had like a little bit different scenario that happened to him. My mom was thrown against the telephone pole and broke her leg. My dad was thrown out the door and cut his face on the windshield and his arm. And my brother got no scratches on the, in the, um, going out the back hatch of the, of the Jeep. And we were just, you know, the back seat folded down. So we were just sleeping back there. So, um, and then I went face first to the back window of the Jeep Cherokee, the one that doesn't roll down and flew through the air. And then the Jeep literally flipped on top of me uh, and I was found underneath. My dad said I really wasn't breathing or had no heartbeat. And uh, apparently that happened again in the ambulance and in the um, hospital, I had to be resuscitated again. Um, So, you know, basically my whole life I was told I was a miracle. Um, You know, however, it's really tough to hear when you're a little kid. Um, But I had, um, I was in the emergency room for quite some time and then, I eventually went back and and was laid on my grandmother's couch for probably a couple months before I went back to school, and I couldn't get up. I couldn't walk. Um, I I literally had to. The doctors told my parents that um, if he was to live, probably be like a vegetable the rest of my life. I wouldn't be able to walk or talk or really communicate. But
0: and how old were you then?
1: I was six and a half. Yeah, so I was quite young, but definitely something that was you know a a, um, a stage in your life that's memorable. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm on the couch and peeing in a cup. the cup. Teachers come over to bring my work over to me. My mom, my grandmother does it for me pretty much. And. Um, I had I went back to school a couple months later and I had to learn how to walk and talk again. I went back to school in a wheelchair and had to had to learn how to walk and go to physical therapy and get strong again and talk again. Um, it was one of those experiences. I had, I had a lot of scars in my face, in my head, I had glass come out of my face for I don't know, probably a year or two after that. And that was very painful and it would work its way out. But I guess what was really strange about it, I didn't question that like God existed. I just was really angry at God at that point because people made fun of me, you know, my scars on my face. I was in a wheelchair. Um, and it was tough. It was a tough, it's a tough childhood after that, you know? And, um, but it made me who I am today to have compassion and empathy for people to be in those kind of, Predicaments and 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 have to be like that. So um, I definitely have learned my lessons from it. I'm thankful for. It. I wouldn't be the person I am without it. But I'd also see the dynamics of like what happened to me, what as opposed to what happened to my brother, and you know the things that he experiences because of it. Things my dad, you know, like my, like my dad might experience guilt because he feels guilty for driving the car. My brother is somewhat jealous as a two, as he's four and a half. Um, And so I get to go out. I don't have to go to school. Um, I'm at grandma's house all day. He's jealous of that fact because he doesn't really understand. You know, my mom probably feels a lot of um, guilt and everything, too. So it's just it's weird how a big event and so many people can take different things away from that. And they can be lifelong struggles to get away, get over. And sometimes maybe some people don't ever get over it, but. It's been that one thing that's a constant to why did this happen to me? You know, what happened and, and why did it happen? And um, they always say people who have like really extreme head injuries really wake up after that. And I felt like because I was questioning, I was angry at God and everything for that happening to me. I was always like a little bit more present, I felt like, than other people. And like asking more questions of why are we here and what's going on and what's this whole thing about? and um, yeah, that that experience really changed my life and just made me a lot more present, I think, overall. I endured a lot more suffering. And I, you know, I've often heard like the Buddha say, you know, what wakes people up is typically suffering. And I just feel like over many, many past lives, it was just these things that happened. And it just as you reincarnate, those things just kind of condense and happen earlier in life and they're more prevalent. And um, I said, it again, it's just a crazy thing that happened, but I am totally thankful for it. Uh, I work with special needs kids and adults today, and I don't think that I would be able to have that event not happen to me and just know what it's like to be the kid in the wheelchair, know what it's like to be different. And then that gives me the tools to be the person to help them and, and sit with them and, you know, and not necessarily give advice, but sometimes just hold space for people and sit with people. So, um, but after that, yeah, I just always had questions. I always had questions. I always questioned everything. I remember being in um, church not long after that, you know, and I grew up Pentecostal and people like running up and down the aisleways and um, speaking in tongues. And I was just like, man, you know, I, I understand what you guys are saying, that you are supposed to be speaking other languages, but I just don't believe it. But I'm like Seven eight, nine, and you just don't tell adults that, you know, or you don't really ask those questions. So, um, but it was very weird to me that that was going on. Now, I, you know, I have my own opinions on it, but um, I, I, yeah, I always had a lot of questions, you know, how things were working and who God was. And, you know, I, I had a lot of questions that, you know, sometimes people, I would ask and just nobody ever answered them for me. So I feel like that really pushed me over to eventually, um, just studying for myself, you know, just feeling
0: empty inside and like the information was fulfilling to me. So you didn't really feel a connection to God in the churches as a child? Did it, did it take a certain point?
1: Um, I remember being in the, in the church and being like Sunday school. And we we're reading all, the, especially the Old Testament, you know, Moses and... You know, Elijah and all these cool prophets and everything. I remember reading those stories and, like, I felt like my imagination was so heightened at that time that I felt like I was there. When they were reading those stories and we were talking about them, I was at that place in my mind while we're doing it. And I do believe that now it seems like those things are past lives that I was like almost remembering. You could see it clearly and it made a lot of sense to me. And so that stuff I loved. I love talking about it. I love asking questions about it and who are these giants and who are these people that were, you know, who are the Israelites and who are these people and why are these people mad at each other and why is their God telling them to do this? And, you know, there's a lot of questions. A lot of people didn't answer for me then either, you know, it was just like, oh, just, you know, just listen to the story. You know, they just kind of brush you off. But that stuff I did love. But as you get older and stuff and you're in and you get kicked out of, you know, the children's part and you have to go sit in the pews with your with your family and everything that stuff just it didn't resonate with me because it was it was it was really fearful and it was really scary and you know now i look back and i was like i was looking for the truth and i was looking for to say things that really excited me and you know to me if i was to say what's the most important thing in the bible you know a lot of people would spout off probably different verses and things like that but to me it was like what was written in red the words that were in red things that jesus spoke those parables and those teachings and those are really exciting to me and i really like talking about those but yeah it was you know kind of being scared if you don't do this you're going to hell and sometimes people would scream and get excited the preachers and stuff and it was just yeah there was just i just felt like people saying that they were saved and you know they were one way in church and then i would go hang out at someone's house And hear how they talked about other people and stuff, and I was like, "Man, what do you? Why would you talk about someone like that? Didn't you say at church the other day you loved everybody? And now you're talking like this?" So there was a lot of contradiction there for me. It was a really, you know, when it came to faith and religion and spirituality, that was that was tough for me because I I wanted to, I wanted to ask the questions, and I did sometimes, and uh, I just never got the answers
0: adequately that I felt like I needed. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely the same way for me growing up. The churches seem to be just adding more questions. if <laughs> much as they claim to have answers, they couldn't really satisfy me with the answers. Um, right. but, um, but I do feel like there was different points at which I felt I had some kind of a spiritual experience in church or thinking about Jesus, where it seems like there's um there's an awareness that something is going on in me that is not a part of my normal experience, that this is a kind of love that i'm I'm feeling that is not a normal. Um, experience do you have any anything like that that kind of awakened you to like the the value of spiritual seeking in the context of Christianity or anything else yeah, so
1: okay, so fast forward I go to college and I want to get away from home as much as possible like anybody else right and so I got a autoimmune disease pretty early around nineteen or nineteen yeah probably and it was just really awful I mean they the It's a disease, right?'re not your body's not at ease um, for whatever reason. but um I basically got something called urticaria, euticaria, people call it um, which is like a uh, a rash that gets really itchy, can be really hot and feverish and um, really painful. And I would go to the doctors and they would basically say, we don't know where it came from, how to get rid of it. We can give you antihistamine stuff to make it tolerable. And that stuff, I would go to this class and I would be so tired from taking it, you know, just to try to alleviate the pain. But I was exhausted and I couldn't even, you know, keep my head up in the class because I was so tired. Um, and that disease brought me to all kinds of more questions. Okay, if they can't tell me how I got it and how to get rid of it, what, you know, and I'm just going to take these drugs my whole life, like that doesn't make any sense. So in college I'm just like studying different things I'm studying Reiki energy healings and I'm studying um you know different modalities that possibly could work for me um and one of the you know one of the things I definitely did do was go do some Reiki and it was cool because I went to Reiki and I was like the first person to go and I'm just like you know, gonna get sit there and let them, you know, put their hands on me or hover on me or whatever. But everybody does their thing and it's, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 minutes or whatever. And it was great. It was beautiful. I was calm and everything was, you know, wonderful. And I went and sat down. And as soon as I sat down, I, I kind of felt like, oh, you know, I just wanna sit here for the rest of the time and kind of bask in this energy and um, kind of watch and learn. You know, I had done my research and, um, I felt like I understood what was going on and what they were doing and it wasn't energy necessarily coming from them, but it was, should be energy that you're channeling through yourself out to your body, out of your hands and and delivering it to other people. So, but I mean, I was definitely no practitioner. I had no kind of, you know, experience, but after I got done, I sat in that chair and I was feeling kind of, you know, okay, grateful and sitting in my chair. I'm going to listen. The voice inside of my head said loud and clear. Now it's your turn. That's all it said. And I was like, what? I said, now it's your turn. And after it said it the second time, I knew that it meant I was supposed to go up there and give Reiki to the other people that were there. And I was just like, I'm not
0: licensed or certified or anything like that. Maybe I could stop you right there and ask, do you feel like you'd ever ha- heard this voice prior to this point?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Throughout
1: my life, I felt like I'd had that voice hit me a few times um, in specific circumstances, instances, you know, that were very important typically, you know, but it was, you know, not something that happened for me every day or every month. It was just, you know, sometimes you you heard it and you felt it, you know. So it seriously catches your attention. Oh, yeah. Seriously catches your attention. You know what I mean? It's just like uh, at that point, I would already, you know, knew that. You know, something to listen to was that, you know, like that's like your inner voice or, you know, sometimes it felt like it was coming from other people, but it just, you know, it's in the back of your head and it's just loud and clear. And it's like, just like we're talking today, you know, it's just like, sometimes you doubt, is that me? Is that somebody else? What is it? But at that point, I feel like it already knew at least that I'd heard it enough that I knew that it was something to listen. to, I was like, I couldn't overlook it. You know, I, I had too many kind of synchronicities about it.
0: And you didn't have a name for it? Would you have called it the Holy Spirit at that point?
1: No, I don't think so. I just—it was just, you know, I don't know the voice, you, your intuition, whatever. But I don't—I don't think at that point I, I necessarily had a name for it or anything. No. Um, All right, so you yeah, continue. I got up there, huh? Yeah, go ahead, continue. I got up there and started doing my thing, and um, you know, running my hands. I didn't really touch any people, but I like just—I like the. I think they call it reiki because you're just raking energy, and I was raking it out of people and letting it go and you know flowing it through people and felt good. I really enjoyed it. I had fun doing it. You know, it kind of added a whole nother part to the thing because I was like, you know, I didn't come there to give, you know, I certainly I felt like I was a sick person. And I was like, what does a sick person with autoimmune disease have to offer? But yeah, you know, like I said that it just was this undeniable. You have to when you hear something like that, you have to do it. So I did it and it felt great. Um through that Thursday night, Reiki healing session at this metaphysical place in Atlanta that I, that I went to. Um, all kinds of people came. The most interesting guy was a guy named Paul, who had three or four different types of cancer, stage four cancer, pretty bad. He was coming in to get Reiki energy healing. I also realized that he was going to the hospital to get chemotherapy as well. But he was doing it all. And this guy was really like the happiest dude I'd ever met. And I couldn't, you know, I was frustrated with autoimmune disease. And this dude had like, he was on death's door. I mean, there were a couple of times when he came in after radiation therapy and stuff that he looked awful. And he, you know, I was like, how is this guy so happy? How is he, you know, so ecstatic to be here? Um, And I was like, I just don't get it. It blew my mind. So, you know, but one of those things that comes along with working with someone who is sick or special needs to me, there's a little bit more empathy there. You have a little bit more in you that wants to help a little bit more, you know, in those cases. So, you know, I did every time he came in, I was like, oh, man, we're going to give Paul a good one today. You know, I just wanted to help him out so much. And um, and so we did. And in one of those instances, um, I was on one side and a couple people on the other side, and there's five or six people working. But as I'm running my hands over, just doing my thing, um, there was no doubt a strong presence in the room, and it, it was almost like you I mean you could feel it. And I just I I turned and it literally felt like Jesus Christ walked into the room and he walked up close to the circle. And he was, you know, four or five feet away from me. And it was like undeniable, like that's Jesus Christ. He's in here. And I didn't see anything with my eyes. It wasn't like I saw anything. There was no shadow, was no light. It wasn't anything like that that I can remember. It was just like a hundred a percent feeling of the most powerful presence I've ever ever felt in my entire life. That there had to have been some kind of entity standing there because it wasn't just me, you know? I was like, wow, dude, that's insane. And as he's standing there, And that undeniable feeling of presence and calm and serenity and peace and power and prestige and love, all the things. I just, I was just like, God, you know, it just felt really heavy. And then it's almost like he turned and looked right at me and I was like, oh, God. And I just felt really, you know, at that moment, like, whoa, you know, what's going to happen here? And he, he just walked into me. He walked across from where he was four or five feet away, and he walked right into my body, and I lost it. I just started bawling, crying, and I felt all that stuff, all the prestige, all the power, all the peace, all the love, all the harmony, and I felt it in me, you know? And um, it was insane. It it felt like I was downloaded with four five four or 5,000 years of information, you know, it just felt like the whole experience felt like it lasted forever, but I was crying and I even forgot that other people were there for a while. Like it was just me and him for a second, you know, and I'm crying and I'm just downloading this information. I'm feeling these feelings. And there's just this, this amazing feeling of this is how you should feel all day long. You shouldn't feel like this at church. Just at church, you shouldn't feel like it. Just in these spiritual retreats or some, you should feel this power and presence with you all day, every day, where you go, bring it with you. That's that's the message that I got. You know, it was just loud and clear. Like, you know, the Christ consciousness isn't something that happens on Sundays at twelve o'clock or you know because you're helping a friend. It shouldn't be something you walk around with all day. And so it was overwhelming. And about I would imagine it was forty five seconds, um, but it felt like forty five thousand years probably. Um, after about 45 seconds, I'm balling out crying and somebody just comes up, puts their hands on me and, and, you know, kind of pushed me off into a chair and sat me down. And while I was crying, the girl across from me, who was probably just a couple years younger than me, but we're about the same age. And, um, you know, we were there for the same reasons, pretty much. She ran out the door and I honestly thought that I scared her to death. I thought that she was terrified that I freaked her out because I'm crying and all this thing and, you know, whatever. And so anyways, I sit down, I'm, you know, gather myself, stop crying. I mean, pretty much almost as someone touched me, the feeling kind of left, you know what I mean? And so I'm sitting down and kind of gathering my thoughts on everything. And everybody, you know, everybody's staring at me like, what happened there? You know, what's going on? And I was like, "Uh, I don't, you guys, you wouldn't believe me if I told you, you know, and I just, Figured I would say that and leave it at that and nobody would say anything, but they're like, Oh no, 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 no. That's not how this works here. You're going to tell us what happened. And I was like, man, you guys, I mean, honestly, I, I can't describe it any other way that it felt like Jesus walked up. And then as he stood there, he was watching us and he directly looked at me and he walked into my body and I just lost it. And I just, you know, I told him all the feelings and everything. And as I said that, The girl who came in, Natalie, she was like, oh, my God. She goes, I felt that, too. I felt the presence. And it was so overwhelming for her that she had to leave the room. She She couldn't be in there. She said it was too overwhelming, and she left. And that was like the thing that was like confirmation that somebody else felt this feeling. Somebody else knew about it. I didn't need it. I didn't need any confirmation. But it was... 100% synchronistic confirmation that somebody else did it and they couldn't even handle it. It was so powerful. Um, And then Paul, Paul was like, that was the best healing city ever got. And um, pretty amazing. So I was really thankful. And that changed my life forever, uh, forever that I knew at that moment that, you know, everything about Christ that ever learned and coming into our hearts and saving us, it wasn't something that people talk about and say, and, Oh, God God is in my heart. It's something that really happens. And the vast majority of people that I ever knew, I don't think ever had an experience like that. I'd never heard anybody say anything like that. You know what I mean? But that's what it felt like to me. It felt like it was the real genuine. I was feeling empathy and love for this individual that I barely knew just trying to heal him of his cancers. And um, it changed my life. Yeah, I, I knew at that moment that Christ was a real You know, not that I didn't know then, like I said, I always believed that God exists, but I knew at that moment that God, Christ was, I I could have a a real relationship with it, that it wasn't something I would just talk about and say, Christ is in my heart. I'm saved. Look how I am different now. But like, there was a real entity out there that you could connect with, that could talk to you. And yeah, I've had many interactions with that feeling now. Um, But long story short, I wanted to go back because this is such a great story too. Paul, Paul came many times and got more sick. Eventually, had to go to hospice, and me and Natalie went to go see him in hospice and do healings on him and everything else. And he ended up dying. And so we went to his funeral in a Catholic church. And I always, always felt so bad, man. I was like, man, why was that feeling there? Why do we have this feeling? Why did that thing happen with Paul? But we didn't save him. How come we couldn't save him? You know, and um. So we go to his church, and we used to go to his funeral, and it's the, we're in the, all in the fellowship hall, and there's these spiritual people, these people I that I recognize and I know from many of the metaphysical places that I knew Paul went to. He went to several places just like me, looking for healings and looking for spirituality, and there were all the Catholic people there, too. But we were all sitting at the table together, and I remember having a conversation with people about Paul and just talking about spirituality and that, you know, just because you're dead doesn't mean you don't come back reincarnation. And obviously that really took a toll on some of the people there and they, you know, kind of didn't like it. I could tell and kind of arguing a little bit about it. And I was like, you know, just, just my opinion and stuff. But at that moment, um, I felt Paul standing behind me, smiling from ear to ear. And it was like, again, I didn't see anything, but I knew that it was him. I knew he was standing behind me. I knew he was smiling. I knew he was like, hallelujah he wanted to bring the Catholic people that he had grown up with to this spiritual place and his death literally brought us into a place that would have never, I'd have never gone to a Catholic church like that. And, and, and most of the people who went would have never gone in. And I knew why he was smiling, why he was cheering. He kind of like, let me know at that moment. He goes, this was the goal for me. The goal for me was to bring all these other people to this thing because his disease brought him there. That was a gift that he didn't realize until he, you know, until he probably died or maybe even before then. I don't know, but he realized that, that the cancer was something that was a gift for him to go find what he needed in life, and that his death brought all these other people to these spiritual people and to have these conversations, and we're all sitting amongst each other and intertwining. So, yeah, it was. I realized at that point, it wasn't the goal wasn't for us to heal Paul. Paul was healing us. Yeah.
0: Great story yeah it's it's profound how how much division there is amongst uh, spiritual communities, and when that was exactly the opposite of what Jesus wanted to teach, and it was like he was trying to emphasize that the Gentiles have to be grafted into the tree. you know it's it's not just about the Jews who he was trying to you know preach to it's the it's everybody else is is a part of this this mm-hmm. same spiritual path that we're on. Yeah, and so now we yeah. And the Bible says we had the, the the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You know, clearly what you're describing—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness—just automatic. And then the the works of the flesh are contrasted against that, which are things like division and dissensions and rivalries and all these things that are plaguing the different spiritual communities once they once they once they're opposed to one another. Um, so it, it's 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 a, it's a great story that, that it really shouldn't be so divided and. And honestly, there needs to be kind of a, a community of believers that can be just open to to everyone. It just just make that the rule. It's just believing whatever you want to believe because because we're accepting of your your free will to do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. There was an aspect to it where you're like, yeah, sitting at a table with people who don't agree with you, and. That was, that's the point though. You know, you, you're not, I've never met anybody that I agree with on everything about on on, on everything. So, you know, we shouldn't be so hard on people trying to, you have to believe this, you have to believe that. Like no one believes, no two people believe exactly the same things on everything, but, um, we should all be open to learn from each other and grow from each other. And, you know, that day, even though, you know, I feel like I'm talking to them, I'm still trying to listen because I know at that point, I already knew that, I leave no stone unturned. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I was already on the mission to learn everything I could. And it was for me, man. Um, you know, you gave me a lot of, a lot of praise earlier being like being a teacher or whatever, but I, I feel like I was just a adept student. I was just an apprentice. I was just learning things and trying to figure things out for myself because of all that confusion that happened in the past. And I wasn't really, you know, no one was really ever feeding my soul with information you know you know that saying christ says don't work for the food that spoils work for the food your heavenly father provides and um that's what i was looking for i was looking for truth i was looking for stuff that made sense to me that nourished my soul and um those kind of events you know being sick having autoimmune disease that gave me the right recipe to go find some of these teachers because when the student's ready the teacher will appear and paul was as a you know incredible teacher, and uh, it doesn't work out the way you always wanted to, but you know life and death are the same thing. being born is like being, is like dying, and I believe he'll be born again, and I believe he'll have another experience and I think he will be even more attuned and more growth will happen because of that event for him. And it's not necessarily a sad thing that he died of cancer. I think that he he his mission overall was complete, and it's time to move on and go to the next one and so it was beautiful, you know, I look back and I'm like, man. Thank you. What a, what a beautiful experience. You know, it didn't happen the way I wanted to, but uh, it happened the way it needed to.
0: So, do you feel like this is an experience you would call being born again that you had with Paul? And do you feel like that is something that you can come back to? Is there is it is it meditation that helps you go back to that state, or is there something about your natural life that can draw you back into that? Uh,
1: so, being born again. First of all, I think we i do believe we are reincarnate and we die and we're born over again and we try out new situations cultures skin pigmentations all the things roles masters servants all of them to learn it all so we learn to die over and over and over again and let that ego helps that you know kill that ego for us and die thousands millions of times whatever it is um and we learn to die in this life i mean I was a kid at one point. I thought I'd always be a kid, a teenager. I thought i would be a teenager forever in high school. And then you're in college and you think that's what it is. And then you're out of that. So like those, those people are almost dead. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not here anymore. Like college Jacob is gone, middle school Jacob's gone. They're not, I mean, you, you learn to die from that ego of like, that's who I was. I'm not that person anymore. I'm, I'm more than that and I'm growing and I'm learning, but I do believe that there are, you know, mystical experiences. Oftentimes, experiences that I've had with that kind of Holy Spirit energy, that Christ energy, have usually been by myself. There's a handful of times where it has happened um, with other people around, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, one of the instances was I was in Tiger Island with my family one time, and I was—I felt like I, for some reason, I was like pretty much the only person I could see on the beach. And my parents just said, meet us up here at this restaurant or something, whenever you get done. And I was like, okay, so, you know, the sun is setting and I'm on the beach and I'm looking at the ocean. And I just said, you know, Hey God, ocean, spirit, nature, whatever. Um, I've had a lot of things going lately and it's feeling good and I'm appreciative of it. I'm very, very grateful for all things that have happened learned so far. If there's anything else that you feel like I'm, I need to know at this moment, you know, let me know. I'm, I'm receptive. I'm open. And I, I'm just hungry. I'm hungry for some more. You know, I'm that blessed is he that's poor in spirit. I'm poor. I need more. (laughs) And I just left it at that and let it go. And I didn't expect anything or didn't think anything would happen. I just said it out loud and I turned around and met my mom and dad at lunch. And while I was sitting there, it literally felt like Jesus was standing behind me. He walked up to me, put his fingers on his fingers on my shoulder uh, leaned in and whispered in my ear and in a split second I knew the um I knew the prodigal son parable and I knew, I knew what it was all about like I knew the whole what, what it was it was it's just like a completely download of that the prodigal son wasn't just a cute little story about some guy who goes out but it was me and it was you and it was everybody and everybody has to kind of leave the safety of the light and the father to go out into your darkness and not judge yourself or be you know be hard on yourself because all things that happen but when you finally come back and you realize that the father still smiles and loves you and kills the fatty calf and does things for you that the other ones who haven't left yet don't get and don't are are confused by because like we haven't left you got to earn that you got to go earn that because you got to go out to the darts but that happened right in front of my parents and i was like oh my gosh and they were like what and i was like um you guys wouldn't believe me if I told you so. And again, I just thought that was going to be it. And they were like, no, what happened? And I was like, um, Jesus just stood behind me and told me the prodigal son parable. And I told him exactly what it was. And, and, and they didn't say anything. They couldn't say anything. And to me, that's the, that's what I was looking for. Right. I don't want to be the person that says I asked Jesus in my heart. So I'm saved and I'm good. And that's all it was. And, you know, I, I got baptized in a, in a pool when I was a kid and everything else. And those things just didn't you know, it was, it was a cool experience and it was fun. But it wasn't I just didn't get enough out of it. I didn't feel changed. Those experiences like that. I felt changed. I was different. I had a relationship with Christ. He knew me and I knew him. And I honestly believe. Looking back at it now and really been able to when you, when you when you look at things from the past and you are able to kind of like connect the dots and everything, I believe that I was a follower of his two thousand years ago, and I and I lived a life back then. and it said that you know he told these parables to people out in the open and um, but he told the meaning of those parables to his true disciples. and I believed that I was one of his true disciples, that behind closed doors we spoke. And he told me the uh, understandings and what they are is kind of quantum physics. You know, there's a lot of parables. And I believe that they're really quantum physics to how the universe works, like the laws of the universe. And almost all of them are usually about you and me and all of us and how we fit in the scheme of the of the universe. And I believe that it was just a download, like the things that you learned in all your past lives. When we get to this point now and this, this crux this on our way to zero point. I just feel like I've had dozens and dozens of past lives bleed through so that I love I love Judaism. I love Christianity. I'm really into Native Americans. And so all these things just kind of come in. All of a sudden, some one day I'll just like know something or I'll just have a huge question in my head. And it'd be like, go, go look at this and go watch this. And I'll just have like this weird I will personally be able to look at it in a a different way that I think most people can do it because I, I have researched it. And this has been my, you know, even how sometimes some people come out and they just painters, some people are just music. Some people are this, I just feel like when it comes to information, I can look at it in a way non-biased, you know, not attached, um, either for or against it. I can just see it in a way that I can play. I can play the song. I can play the music. I can look at something and be like, Oh, that's how that works. And uh, I just, I just 100% believe that over many past lives, I've just been a seeker of truth, and that's my gift. Just like somebody else who plays the piano, or someone else who um, helps people, you know, or servants or whatever. And that's mine. I just feel like that's what I've done over well, let's,
0: many. Let's dive into some of that a, a little bit with the parable of the prodigal son. Um, so, the prodigal son basically wanders off and goes to the darkest point and doesn't really believe that the father is going to forgive him to the degree the father will forgive him or believe in forgiveness at all. And yeah. do you suppose that the turning point is actually self-forgiveness, that you 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 begin to value yourself enough to recognize you can return to that love? Yeah, and and I think
1: add a little bit to it, too. I mean, the guy didn't just walk out the door and leave. He took his entire inheritance. He took everything that that his father should have gave him. And, and took it all and spent it all and wasted it all on, you know, the, all the things of life that we probably shouldn't, right. They told her not to, to get into prostitution whatever, and just wasted money gambling. And then he ends up, you know, at a farm or whatever, eating the sloth of pigs, you know? And, and that's like, you know, you shouldn't eat pig back in the day and it's disgusting animal and blah, blah, blah for, for a few people. And, um, you know, he's not going back to be his father's son. He's saying that even before he goes back, even my father's servants eat better than this. They live better than this. I'm willing to go back to be my father's servant in order to just live better than life I'm living now. That to me is a key part of it. Like, because you know, what did Christ say about being the greatest among us is a servant? He just wants to go back to his father to be a servant, not to be the prestige level that he was to be a son. And so that's where I feel like. That really kicked in for me when he when that event happened for me, um but I do I I think that he goes back with the humility of you know I'm I'm not the person that was I'm not that prestige anymore. But the father then says, "Oh man, no, you're not going to be a servant. You're going to be I'm going to kill the fatty calf for you. I'm going to make you know and feel that you're number one right here, right now, in this moment, and above everybody else who didn't leave. You know, like I said, the other siblings." We're angry and upset and jealous because they were killing fatty calf. i like, you didn't do that for me. And I stayed here the whole time. And to me, that's part of it. Like we have to leave that safety and security of the light to go out and have these adventures, to go become the hero of our own journeys, to learn, to grow, to evolve and realize the whole time, the whole time we're holding that judgment against ourselves. We're angry at ourselves that we did certain things, but God and the universe, unconditional love is loving me. It just loves you. It just says, "Hey, it loves you so much. You go out there and make mistakes, and nobody—I'm not going to be mad about it. I'm not, not going to be jealous or angry." I mean, those those qualities that we hear in the Old Testament, I feel like are not God; they're gods from people from other planets and stuff like that. But, um, in my personal opinion, but in you know, in John it says, "No man has ever seen the face of God." That like God is love, and when God dwelt within us, you know, we are feeling we're with God when God is. God is and We're experiencing it. So that to me is what it really is. And so it's, it's giving you free will to go out there and make those, you know, decisions for yourself to learn and to grow And that. It's not like judgment necessarily, but there are consequences. If you do this, these things will happen. If you start shooting people, people will probably start shooting back. If you start loving people, people will love you back. Um, and that's what happened. You steal from people you will be stolen from. And that's what has to realize whatever you put out is what you get back. And there's no there's no judgment, there's no anger toward towards it. Um, but yeah, when you finally go back, you realize that God loved you the whole time, and what a just open arms, you know, comes back. And that's what I feel like for me overall. When you talk about the Holy Spirit, I've had those moments where you're in a room by yourself. Typically, is when I, mine have been by myself, where I'm on the road of learning and growing and reading the Bible and reading other books and trying to find more uh, truth. And have these incredible experiences where you can get completely filled up with unconditional love. And you just have these incredible messages that are just, it's almost like someone's talking to you, but there's no words being said. But it's obvious that, you know, I loved you the whole time. Just take it easy, relax. It's okay. Everything's fine. Keep going. Don't have, don't be too hard on yourself, you know, and it's just like, Thanks. You know, I needed that. And you just, I usually end up bawling out crying and feeling grateful and and all that kind of stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. It seems like there's a, there's, there's personal responsibility, but there's also, I think the spiritual responsibility with letting go of, of, of all our, our, our worries and giving over the, the concern that we manage our lives and plan everything in specific orders. Um, to, to try to be the, the best person we can be i think a lot of times our plans are constantly failing and that's just a, another lesson in cracking us open to our intuition um, mm-hmm. or, or trusting I, I suppose that there's some connection between trust and the intuition that is is the release of the rationality or the logic of it if that makes sense
1: yeah yeah it's almost like i look at your background and I see that water flowing you know and i feel like what we want to do is very egoic, but like what our soul wants us to do when our soul is concerned with is like this easy flowing river. And we just have to let go and flow with it instead of fighting the currents and trying to do the things we want to do. Like I think our life really could be a whole lot easier and really work out for us and blossom in many ways if we were just to stop fighting the current and let the the overall natural way of all the things our life just develop naturally. Like, your soul knows what it wants. And, um, you know, our our brains and our egos kind of mess that up a lot, you know. And it really should be easier. Life should be a lot easier. Spirituality should be a lot easier than we all make it. Um, it definitely, it seems that way. And as you kind of let go and surrender, surrender to the universe,
0: it becomes a lot easier instead of fighting it, you know. I've wondered, it does. It, it does. It it definitely seems true. But it also seems like we're we're constantly be giving being given the hardest challenges that represent the deepest attachments that we haven't let go of yet. Like um, being a parent, it seems like there are um, ways that my kid is marrying me. You have a kid that's a girl that's six months older than mine, so mm-hmm. it's it's really interesting watching them both develop. That, that they seem to for for me, it's like the, the lessons don't seem to stop. They seem to keep accelerating. But I know that it must be related to um aspects of my own consciousness that are that i'm still processing when i when i get frustrated or or feel feel confused about about how to handle a situation it seems like there's just the next level the next doorway of, of opening up to trust and opening up to, to faith and uh love in those moments right yeah like kids kids are like the instant karma right so everything
1: that you haven't worked out and things that, you know, you get jealous about or angry about or possessive over they you get it real quick too. And they're learning from you real quick, whether you know it or not. One little thing you say or one little thing that you do, but yeah, I mean, it seems like now and it may, and it's obvious, right? Cause if we are in a zero point, if we are in a place where many of us have wanted to be for a, for a long time, right. To build up to, then we're in a great purification. So if we want to make it to a 5D world or a thousand years of peace or a new Kali Yuga or a golden age, we're going to have to purify all those, those old karmic patterns that no longer work, you know, jealousy, anger, resentment, and um, um, those things are not going to, they don't have no place for a world that's, you know, higher dimensional. You know what I mean? They have their, they have their place in your life. You know what I mean? Cause they're needed and they'll have you, they'll help you see contrast in your life and help you learn lessons. But to go on to be a higher dimensional frequency you know reality, there's no place for those for jealousy and anger and um and resentment and those kind of things you want to live in a higher higher vibrational um frequency and I would imagine there are planets out there, highly civilized planets where it's like everybody knows all your thoughts and everything you know you can't really get away from that, so you have to be careful and um we have to realize like eventually, like, I mean, I mean a lot of people probably already picking up on it. Like I'm already picking up on people's thoughts and feelings immediately, you know, especially if they're intense, you know, the more intense they are, the easier are to pick up. So, you know, you, there's going to be a time when there's no, nowhere to hide anything, your thoughts, your emotions and feelings. Like eventually we're all going to be completely like naked here. Just, you know, every, there's no
0: hiding anything anymore. And you think that's occurring more with children, like the children that you're helping?
1: Yeah, I do. And I think Because of working with, like, special needs kids and adults, and oftentimes many of them are just who they are, exactly, and they don't care anything about what anybody else thinks of them, Um, I think that's given me a great opportunity to really dive into myself and be the same thing, to, like, you know, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right, so I'm trying to imitate them and try to be like them as much as possible, like, they don't care. They don't care what everybody else thinks about them at all, you know? And I wanna be like that. I want that kind of level of freedom, right? I wanna be that free to, I can be myself totally, completely immersed, like weird stuff, weird mysteries, talk about whatever. I don't care what anybody says or thinks. I don't care if everybody thinks I'm totally wrong or crazy or whatever. It's totally fine at this point. Like, um, yeah, there's some people who are ready for the mission, and there's some people who will hear some of the things I say. And eventually, we'll probably be like, oh, man, that dude probably was speaking the truth. That probably is a true thing that's going on. And, um, you know, come back and have a conversation with me. And to me, that's even better. I'd rather have. I love that. I love to say something, probably something someone's never heard. And then them tell me I'm completely wrong and then come back six months later. and be like, dude, actually, I've been having a lot of conversations with people. What you said about this. And, you know, I think you're right. And sometimes there'll be people who just like you tell something to them years and years ago, like my parents. And I'll tell them some things that are going down and and they get mad about it. And then six or seven years later, they're like saying the exact same things. And I'm like, but they don't even give you credit. You know, you don't even get credit. You're just, you kind of, and it, at first, that kind of hurt my feelings a little bit that I would say things and they would totally be mad about it. And then six or seven years later, I'd be like, oh, yeah, this is that. And I'm like, yeah, I said that. I told you that. And you they, they thought I was totally crazy. And eventually, you just realize it doesn't matter. How everybody learns it is fine. You know, you don't need the ego to be um, completely feel like I deserve credit for that. Like yeah. they figured it out for themselves when they were ready. You know, I, I may hopefully planted some seeds, and you can't unhear what I said. But at the end of the day, I'm just
0: glad people are learning stuff. I'm glad people are waking up. Right. And even with telepathy, it's possible we can just plant thoughts mm-hmm. by just putting them out there. And people don't even need to hear it from us we just we can think about them learning the lesson and and them learning the truth and maybe the universe will bring it to them without us having to even do it
1: that happens to me a lot that happened to me yesterday just sitting in a cacao ceremony at a retreat yesterday and just i'm people are talking and as they're talking i'm like thinking things and i would think something in my head and then kind of direct it and then people would say it or i you know i've been in conversation with somebody who's been upset or angry or something and then like took the second to calm down and relax thought something and directed it at them and then they like changed their way or, or changed what they were saying or say something that i know is a hundred percent i mean the hundred monkey effect pretty much i i feel like at least pretty much solidifies that fact that you know if if you teach somebody something if somebody knows something um after about a so many you know so many monkeys learn it then monkeys everywhere starts. Figured out learning. Same thing with humans, multiples affecting, you know, and those kinds of things and technologies that happen at the same time. So there's no doubt that, that, you know, time and space doesn't matter. Wherever you are on the planet, doesn't matter. If you can think about something, you can project it out, people will
0: pick it up. I'd like to go back to another thing that we were talking about with um, not caring about what other people think. For me, it seems like there's really two ways to become detached from what other people think and feel about you and what you're saying. And one of them would be because you don't care about them, and one of them would be because you do care about them, and and you want to help them without getting distracted by you know what what it is that they're thinking and feeling. So mm-hmm. if if we want to truly help people without being too attached to what they're thinking and feeling, we would still acknowledge what they're thinking and feeling. And it seems to be like you're saying we want to speak the truth. We want to speak the truth that is balancing the distortions which we're perceiving um, without without infringing on their free will or without making them you know too too upset or anything that that they're um that they're they feel wronged biased or something like that i don't Mm -hmm. know if there's a line that you have to be aware of but it seems like once that line is respected that we're not we're not we're not hurting this person through through saying something you know it it is appropriate to find find the balance find find the truth that is the deepest truth and i think that the that's the greatest compassion to find find the deepest truth that is being essentially requested by that person's higher self that's the way i, I see it too is it's, it's not just that we're speaking to the person who is is asleep but we're we're speaking to the to the to the higher being which we see fully awakened that is that is calling us to be of service to the to the sleeper aspect of themselves. Mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah and, and you said something earlier about for the people like your friends and your family and probably your romantic partner maybe the hardest one to not care what they think but I mean, really, instead of saying it like, I don't care what other people think, really more moving is like, I'm going to be myself no matter what. And even being myself and being totally honest and being kind and trying to be kind and be truthful to people. I've said things being kind and truthful that hurt people's feelings still. And you just, and, you, and, and I felt bad. I was like, man, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I was trying to help them and they took it the wrong way. Or they heard something they didn't want to hear or thought that, you know, took it from their point of view from a hurt place or a victimized place. and I was like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just trying to help you out. Um, and i and i and I realized that, so I feel like at some point you got to be like, you could, just being yourself sometimes is gonna really piss people off. I mean, obviously Christ was himself and it you know, he was crucified on the cross in front of people. so um and oftentimes you know many people have died in many similar ways and awful ways for being truth and being themselves. but you know, you got to it kind of comes with the territory, like being honest, being truthful, being yourself rattles people up. Like, cause most people aren't being that. So when you see somebody who is doing it, a lot of people don't like it. They don't like that. You know, it's like that person's being a little too honest, being a little too truthful, being a little too themselves. And, you know, it makes me feel like I'm not subconsciously. So, you know, you want to attack those people or, you know, say what they're saying was wrong or they don't know what they're talking about they don't they, they don't know truth whatever and i've experienced that many times and i just realized you know it's all right you know people are going to come against you no matter what if you're you could be the sweetest juiciest peach in the whole world and there's just some folks that just don't like peaches so yeah
0: we we're a culture that kind of encourages people to conform and 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 stay with the system that people think is the right way to do things but but to be a light shining on the hill, to to be not hidden, not hiding the light of our of our existence, we kind of have to be radiant in in what's what what the heart of our experience really is, and and let people sort of taste the joy that we have wherever that joy is in our experience. Otherwise, I think they'll they will continue to be um, without joy. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and you can't find it for anybody. You can't find joy for anyone. I feel like the best teachers that we can be is just to be it ourselves. I mean, at this point in my life, that's really more than anything. That's what I want to be is just try to be the beacon for everyone else. And like not try to teach anyone anything or, or tell anybody how it is, but just be it. I mean, that's, what's, that's what got me, you know, to watch someone like a Wayne Dyer or a Greg Braden or someone and just like, you know, find something that they're talking about and like really listen to them and watch them and give their, their experiences and stuff and be like, man, you know, wow, like that really resonates with my life. And it's just like, they're not trying to be anything other than just themselves. And like that catches my attention. You know, this is my experience. This is what happened for me. And I'm like, wow, that really, that did it. That did it for me, you know? So I want to do the same thing for other people. Just like, let's not push things on people or, you know, try to convince anybody. Someone doesn't believe there's an inner earth. That's fine. You know, there's other things that we can connect on and talk about and, um, some people don't believe in aliens. That's fine too. You know, like I don't have to convince anybody of it. It's not like necessary. I feel like it, at some points in my life, it definitely was. I was like, come on, man, you got to know that stuff is, you got to know this. And it was like, there was a frustration that I felt and that wasn't worth it. There's no, there's nothing worth you being frustrated, trying to teach somebody else. People can wake up tons of different ways. You know, some may be just working with special needs people. Some maybe serving others Some maybe, um, you know, reading certain books, like, um, it, there's a some may be suffering very difficultly, and something comes along and a relationship ends or whatever. But eventually, everyone's going to have those things. So, you know, let them have their life, let them have their journey, and you know, don't have to convince people. But, um, that's something I'd have to learn and just, you know, let it go, just do your best and be yourself. And, you know, it tends to work out that way. This past retreat, I, you know, we were, there's a really feminine led ceremony and there's only like three guys in it. And I was like the last, one of the last, the next last person to go. And, um, I just, you know, as each person went before me, you know, in the beginning, I was like, I knew what I was going to say. I knew what I was going to talk about. And then, um, each person went and it was just so beautiful and so incredible. I just like a shed a layer and the next person went, I shed another layer. And I was like, Six or seven people before me, I was already crying. And each person that came before, after that, I was crying even more until they finally picked me. When I got up there, something different came out, you know, and it's just, there's so many layers. And it's so, this life is so beautiful. And you just, you know, like we are talking about before, just flowing with it instead of against it or trying to come up with their ego. Like, what's going to sound cool? What's going to make me sound cool and enlighten to everybody? And it's like, nah, like be real. Um, go deep inside yourself. And that was an incredible ceremony. And, you know, afterwards I was just, you know, I cried in front of all these women and men and everything. And like, you know, I didn't feel bad about it or anything. It just is what it is. But like afterwards, so many people were in the cacao ceremony afterwards and people were talking about, just like, man, I really felt what you had to say and what, you know, that you were a man crying in front of people. Like, wow, like I don't, we don't see men doing that, you know, like we need more of that and all that stuff. And I was like, I got a lot of praise for that. And I was like, wow, that made me feel really good. Cause I was, I wasn't trying to, I was, I was going up there in the beginning to be, you know, this enlightened dude to say these things or whatever. And then after that, I just, I broke down and I became, you know, something different. And that, that had more impact on people than what I, what I thought probably would have. Um, and then I had my, my, um Tao Te Ching book and I was reading it afterwards before the cacao ceremony. And a friend of mine asked me, she said, what's your favorite thing in there? And I was gonna, and I, and there's so many great things, the duality, and, um, and the fact that it's old and it's almost like a mystery in itself. Just to read it, you know, read one page. Sometimes you got to read it a dozen times, and you still might not know what it means. Um, and I was like, man, I, there's so many things I could have said. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if I've read it yet. I don't know. I just had this real deep sense of saying, no, let it go. You don't know yet. I was like, okay, I don't know. And I still had maybe you know third of the book left to read. And so everybody left the earth that we were in and I was sitting there and I just pulled the book out and I laid on the bed and I was reading it. As soon as I pulled up the next page, um, it basically said, you know, the greatest people among us live very humbly. You know, they don't try to be the great people, the great men, the great women, they just be who themselves and be who they are. And in that in itself makes you great. And so, um, I went back and told her, I was like, this is it. This is the greatest thing I've seen so far. And it made me realize, you know, like Jesus walk around barefooted and everything else that um, you know, he was so great. He was just a servant helping other people out. And he wasn't trying to be a the king or wear a gold crown or whatever, just being himself and helping people out. And I was like, man, that's it. You know, let's just be totally ourselves and use the gifts we've been given.
0: Yeah. It definitely seems like there is a, a kind of a constant um dichotomy or um we get we get overly attached to the details of life the um you know looking what we frame as success is often material and and we forget that there's you know the the true success is the little very subtle lessons that are learned through each experience along the way whether or not you're you're helping um your, your kids or even even pets or animals or trees or your garden whether you're helping the the smallest of consciousness grow and and growing through that, or whether you're you're you know you're an emperor, you're you're you're, you're conquering territory, you're, you're you're the lessons are still the same spiritual lessons, and the yeah. the opportunities to forgive and love, like those those are the those are the the true the true gifts, the true blessings that were that we're here for. Right.
1: Yeah, and I've often felt like. Just because somebody's in that experience now, someone's a king and someone's servant doesn't mean that the next life they probably were going to switch roles completely. You know, like those movies that we see trading places and things where they can literally train. I mean, that's that to me is like a subconscious feeling and someone made a movie about, but that's like a subconscious thing of something mm-hmm. real that happens. Like maybe this life you're the master, you're a slave owner, and the next one you're a slave. Or um, you know what I mean? You're someone who gets who's taking advantage of people. and next time you're the person who helping people. Like you get all these different aspects of life and and chances and tries and 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 you know experiences to learn. You know, and and, you, and at the end of the day, you realize I'm not just just one person. I'm not just this. I'm not just some guy in this flesh and this color and everything else. Like I'm way more than that. This is just the you know the vehicle which I get to get around in for this this life, but. Ultimately, I'm the 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 master and the servant, the, the rich and the poor, all of the things, you know, I'm the introvert and an extrovert, like all those things have time and places. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, that experience at the retreat the other day was just amazing. Like, you know, just there's no reason sometimes to even try to try to come up with anything to say, you know, like a lot of times it's just what comes out is what needs to be heard and what's what
0: you're feeling in your heart that moment that's what needs to come out so we're coming up close to an hour i know you have to get going soon um i i guess it'd be good to wrap up with a discussion around what what are the takeaways what, what are the things we can give people right now what are the best tools that you know of to help people find a greater state of inner peace or greater state of, of balance and harmony in their lives Wow, that's
1: that's a big question. I mean, for me, I'm just giving my gifts out like so making them doing the mystery school, talking about certain topics. I mean, not every topic is obviously for every single person, but I feel like we're just going to keep putting them out there and we want people to come join. It's not for me to be a teacher and just teach everybody. This is what it is to me. like is. I've got a subject I really want to talk about. I want to share it with you guys. And what does it invoke in you? What do you know about it that I don't know? Let's all get together and have a conversation about it because that's how we grow. And that's how we learn, not realizing that one person has all the answers. But, you know, collectively, we all have the answers to this big idea. And so to me, it is just if we want to make the world a better place, then we have to be better. Right. If you want more love, then be more loving. If you want more peace, be more peaceful. And then it has to be so. It has to be so. like there there's no doubt if I'm more peaceful, the world's more peaceful. If I'm more angry, the world's more angry. So as we what we want to see in the world, we do it. And so just with the mystery school, it's just coming up with topics that I feel like are important to make people aware of, uh, not to scare anybody of anything, but just like, hey, this is might be this might be going on. How can we change it? How can we do better? How can we collectively get together, talk about it? you know, work out some of these issues and problems that we may have so that we can overcome it, right? Like no matter what it is, anger, jealousy, wrath, whatever, like, let's just, let's get to it. Let's talk about it. Let's have a real adult conversation about things and unravel the tension around certain issues. Um, There should be no subject that anybody should be afraid of talking about. When anybody shuts something down like that to me, that's, that's a dangerous thing. Everything's on the table. Um, every book is, can be readable. Every stone, leave no stone unturned when it comes to truth, because we are in a dire situation on this planet and, you know, in every, every continent, it seems, you know, everybody is feeling it, that we have to come together. Now the answers, if if we want to feed each other, then, you know, it's, it's getting with your neighbors and you grow in this and I'll grow that and we'll exchange the extras and we'll do this with those people over here too. And, um, that may be what it comes down to for survival, because obviously our governments aren't going to do that for us, you know? So we need to be able to have conversations with people. We need to be able to talk to people and communicate and, um, you know, let people know that it's okay. Like, it's because you don't, because it's a hard situation or a hard topic, doesn't mean we can't talk about it, or you don't believe it at first, that's fine. I've had many people tell me that they don't believe this about the moon or that the world could be an inner civilization or whatever. That's fine. But typically, you know, if they're able to have the conversation and hear me out, I'm going to give you some good facts and some good things that like, that I believe could lead to that, that being possible. And I'm 100%. Um, open to hearing what you have to say about it, but it's when those people who just shut you down and say they don't want to talk to you, like, and I feel like creates like a little tension and a little animosity. And it's like, why? Why not at least just have a conversation? And listen, to what I have to say instead of you heard one thing you didn't like and you shut me down. Like, that's not, I'm not saying anything to be mean or rude to people or create division. I'm definitely saying things because I feel like they need to just be heard and like I want to be heard as much as anybody. So I feel like now more than ever, we just need to. We need to have conversations, be open with, each other, open with each other, let people talk, let people be heard. I feel like more than anything now, people want to be heard and listened to, you know what I mean? No matter what it is, sometimes, and it's not about giving your opinion on what you should do because of this event going on, but sometimes just venting and letting people vent and being heard. So holding space for them. Um, But I mean, I am, I'm excited about the Mystery School. I love talking about it. I love uh, new people joining us, new topics. I mean, to me, I'm you know I'm a Gemini sun sign, so I I love communication, I love information, and I want to talk about it, and that that's what really gets me excited about you know those kind of things like um, I physical activities as well, stuff too, but just challenging me in my mind. Um, there's just we have to believe at some point and, and know that everything we learned in school is not all that there is. You know, just because you have a higher education or you've got a master's degree in a certain subject doesn't mean you know all things that there is. Doesn't mean you could have, you know, there can't be other things that are going on or, you know, aliens don't exist or, you know, C 5s can't be real. Like, no, man, you know, let that stuff go, you know. Realize, like, there's a whole lot of this world out there and this universe that we don't understand and we don't know, and that's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It's like... Not everything is figured out. I feel like when I was a kid, when they talked about the Loch Ness monster, was just just some boat, some that the doctor put up there. Sasquatch wasn't real or whatever. And I'm like, man, why'd you guys even talk about this if it's not real? Why'd you give any time to it at all? If it's just something that's totally not real. And then you go back and you look at it on your own. You're like, man, there's no way that just one little boat, you know, um, totally takes away from all the other sightings and everything else. Or you know, that somebody said Sasquatch is real, so it's not real. And it's like, there's a whole lot of evidence to suggest otherwise. And it's like those kind of things. I would say Sasquatch was the, probably the first thing that I really got into that I kind of felt like I always knew was real. But I I didn't start looking at it till later, you know, in life until my probably early 20s. And it was one of those first things I looked at. And I was like, man, there's got to be more to that story. And as soon as I didn't looked it up, I just like an overwhelming Plethora of information just comes in, and you're like, "Man, there's a lot to this." And that that broke open everything. Everything could be real to me. Anything is possible.
0: It is amazing, and it's also a great one because it's kind of humorous to people to start with, to the way it's been portrayed. But I want I want to say that I, I I'm I'm very glad that when I brought asked you about people finding more peace in their lives, you immediately went to talk about finding peace with your neighbors, and it really seems like. Yeah, that's totally makes sense that finding peace with our family members, finding the path to peace with our family and our neighbors is the first step to finding world peace, to find it all across the world. And when it comes to differences of belief systems and differences in and uh, what could be true and what's even a, a discussable topic, what's even allowed on the table, it seems like, you know, the process, the path to peace is always a gradual one. We're always mm-hmm. going to start with at one point saying, OK, I know you're of the opposite political party. I'm going to be your friend anyway. I'm going to be your friend. And then we won't talk about that yet, but we'll talk about this now. and We won't talk about that yet, but we'll talk about this now. And you keep on, as you open up your hearts to one another and forgive each other for your differences of opinions, then you realize it's just natural that that people can become one with with enough love and enough care, attention uh, placed on it. So I really think it is a matter matter of, uh, you know, just just working at it, like, like it's your job to find peace with others. Isn't that
1: wild that, people now, it seems like, look for one topic that you don't agree on, so you can't be friends with them. If that is a Democrat or Republican, or he likes Trump or whatever it is, then we can't be friends. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like one thing out of an <laughs> infinite amount of things. Like, I guarantee you every single person is more like you than they could ever be different. But why look for one thing? and be? I have to go into people's homes to work all the time. And I can promise you that there are a lot of things that we don't agree on. But as long as the I'm there and I continue to go, I always find more things that are alike than differences. And so I, you know, I stay away from some things, obviously, some to talk about, but I've gotten to many conversations with people where I'm on one side or whatever, and they're on some side and I'm like, you know, we have a beautiful conversation of, of learning and engaging and, and trusting and so you know, like, this is what I think and you think it's fine. Um, and they go well, and we, and we really like each other more because we have different points of view and you could talk to each other respectfully. Like, that's beautiful. Like why, why look for one thing in your life that just doesn't, you know, that I'm really adamant about um, play devil's advocate a little bit, you know, like realize that they're both wings, like Democrat, Republican, both wings of the same bird, you know, light and dark, you know, whatever it is, they're all part. partner. It's just duality of the whole oneness. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I'm totally into, you know, trying to find the things that make us similar. How can we engage? That's And at this point in my life, that's what I really want to do. I want to connect with people because we've been so disconnected. You know, we live in our little houses with our one or two or three people. And, um, you know, when these natives and everything lives in tribes together and work together and group grew, grew together and hunted together. And we're like so separated. You know, we just think we're all so vastly different from each other when we're not. We're not. We all have the same belief. I believe. So we have the same feelings and the same wants and the same needs. And we want to be loved and we want to be listened to and we want to be heard. And and there's so many things that, you know, we're all way more likely could ever be different. And um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's it. We live in a separate world. Everything's compartmentalized. And it's like, let's start stripping the labels off, take the labels off of being this Gender or this skin color or this political party or that religion and realize that the deep down core, like at, at
0: least at the very least, we're all human beings, and we're yeah. just here together. Yeah, I think this may be a beautiful place to to close it out now. And I'm um, very much appreciate your time and and sharing all your positive energy with everyone. And um if you have any closing thoughts on, you know, people living the a life of of magic of connection to a higher power of the Holy Spirit, anything you'd like to leave us with? It's all, it's all up to you. Whenever
1: you want to make that decision, whenever you're ready, you know, if it's a sledgehammer blow from the universe, or you just an itch that you have, or a little subtle feeling, follow it, go with it. But everyone is coming to those points now where there's a lot more to life there's a lot more to mystery there's a lot more to spirituality than we've been told um there's a lot more to you than you've been told and how much power each and every single one of us have go back and find it go back and realize you're the hero of your own journey and um be excited be excited like a little kid is excited about new information and being here now and You know, love where you're at in your journey and forgive yourself all the stuff because you know what? It was your journey and your partners only because someone made us think that we did something stupid or bad that were that were tainted or wrong. It's like, no, man, you had to learn. And the things that I did that were bad or not good oftentimes put me on the path to being a better person overall. So give yourself a little grace, love yourself, forgive yourself. If you can love yourself and you can forgive yourself, everybody else is easy. For me, at least. And I, I tend to see that for a lot of people. If you can forgive yourself. Forgiving other people seems to be easy. <laughs> so do it, you know, do the work and, you know, be excited about it. Like there's more to life than working and money and finances and stuff. Like there's an exciting whole other realms of reality that are all around us that, you know, no one ever told us about. So let's start getting into those and diving into the mysteries and diving into, you know, what's been hidden from us for so long
0: yeah that's great
1: all right jacob thank you again thanks mike i appreciate you always and Ascension work T V, man for having me so many times love you guys thank you yeah thank you namaste namaste